the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome, everybody. We're so glad that you're with us by audio or video. And um, uh, in, in this um, version of The Kingdom and Its Stories, and I'm really privileged today to interview a good friend who I am just so thrilled about what God has been doing through the ministry that she founded. It's called Work for a Living, and it started in South Africa, and it's now in in how many different countries? In 18 different countries. 18 different countries, and you told me the other day that there were about 10,000 young people, students in your programs around the world. So we've we've had about thirty between thirty and thirty five thousand um, Bob that have come through our programs um, unemployed okay. all unemployed um, with our idea of 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 finding jobs and we hope always finding Jesus. Okay, well, well, give us the elevator speech of what work for a living is and and what it does. Okay, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate being here. Yeah, so work for a living. We've discovered it's not the way we started. Um, a couple of years ago, our hearts broke for the poor and we wanted to do something about it. But ultimately, Work for a Living is a truth ministry, an access ministry that aims to plant truth and righteousness into the hearts of the poor, but that happens to get people working. So our focus is how do we get people working? And secondly, and most importantly, how do we get people discipled into living in the fullness of life with Christ. Wow. So uh, what is the, uh, what is the target group that you began to work with in South Africa? Who are they? So in South Africa, we started working really uh, with the, with the poorest of the poor. Um, You know, we, we, we've got a tremendous problem in South Africa. I think where people feel that they've been betrayed twice Firstly, they were betrayed by the apartheid government. Um, and then secondly, they were feel that they've been betrayed by the, by the present government. You know, so you've got people who are disillusioned, despondent, hopeless, who've got the poverty mindset that says I'm poor, I'll always be poor and I can't change. So it's, it's pretty much anybody. Um, it started off as anybody in South Africa who was unemployed, regardless of your educational levels, regardless of, of, of where you're at, regardless of your age. Um, and we started like that. Where we are now, pretty much the same, except the demographics have probably become younger and younger. 
as people have heard about what we're doing, we're getting people straight out of school, some people who haven't even finished school. Um, and we love that because when they get to us, we're able to, we're able to equip them with the skills, the resources, and the mindset that they're not going to make the mistakes that their parents and their grandparents made. So anybody who's unemployed around the world who wants to work, who wants to get a job, who wants to start a business, how to start a business, we'll teach them how to get a job, how to get promoted. Um, while in the process, we introduce them to God's ways of, of doing work and, and living. So when they come to you, Anna, uh, do they do they know that you're a Christian ministry? So a lot of our students come to us through word of mouth, uh, which means they will know. But we're not marketed as a Christian ministry, um, specifically because we always want employers to, to employ our students. And the way the world is today, you, you don't want to discount an opportunity for an unemployed student by putting our real drive and focus onto our website and things like that. But, uh, but so when they come in, it starts off as a secular program. We teach job, job interviews, your resume, um, you know, basic work ethic, how to get promoted. And slowly but surely we start introducing truths, but we introduce them as principles, which is truth. So, in financial literacy, we would speak about the poor always ruled over by the rich. So don't borrow and put yourself under, the, under their power. It's a okay. principle. It's 100% truth. They don't know in the beginning that it's from the Bible. But by the end, we, have, we actually present the gospel. And we've probably got about 2,000 2, to 2,000 2, people a year giving their lives to Jesus who came in as complete unbelievers per year, um, which to us, is very exciting because oh, that combination is awesome. Yeah. Um, so they they come in not necessarily knowing uh, that you're biblically based or that you have a Christ compassion, you know, for their condition, but they discover that as they go through your program. Correct. So effectively, we're discipling them into salvation. Um, they come as, we have people coming as atheist, agnostic, non-believer, um, other religions, witch doctors, sangomas, um, all sorts coming in. And we simply present the, the, the truth of what God says about working and living. So I think because it meets their need, we try, there are three areas that we meet their needs in, jobs, business, and finance. We teach into those three areas. Because it's something they need, they're prepared to listen. And we introduce it gently so that by the, by the end of the program, they're hungry for it because truth just creates that hunger. But it's okay. not bashing them. It's, it's leading them, hey, yes, truth. And they see the truth because the topics relate completely to their lives they're like hey yeah that's true wow is that in the bible can that even be in the bible okay what's next and we love that process and god is just we didn't plan it like this we didn't know <laughs> that's what we're doing it just happened which is a very exciting yeah. adventure yeah. And, uh, un unpack those three areas for us a little bit yeah, so so jobs, we, we teach people about jobs, how to get promoted, how to how to take ownership of your job, how to own it. Instead of the us workers versus you bosses, the concept of if I'm valuable to an employer, um, the employer is going to want to keep me. 
So right. instead of entitlement that I'm owed a promotion because I've been here for a long time, it's, hey, if I'm excellent, I get promoted. So it's principles that have gone missing in people's upbringing, work ethic, the principles of work ethic and hard work and being good at good stewards of finances and respecting your boss and honoring your boss, honoring your coworkers, not gossiping, honoring your employer's time. I'm not right. being on social media. So it's very, very practical to the point of if I've got a nice boss, how do I put boundaries on in place? If I've got a terrible boss, boss how do I put boundaries in place? Um, so, and then we link them to business opportunities. And then the business, uh, sorry, to job opportunities. The business program teaches people how to start a business and uh, with nothing, with no capital, with no business plan, how to start a business with what you've got in your hand and grow it. But at the same mm-hmm. time, Always. Have many of your students started their own business? We've probably had just under 2,000 students start their own businesses. I mean, we've got students who have started businesses who've come back to the centers employing the job readiness students because they're looking (laughs) for staff. And we love that cycle. Incredible. Yeah. And then the third one is, again, it's finance. That sort of is a real flagship because when we teach into people's pockets, we sort of, if I can say, it very crudely, we sort of use the the greed, um, people's desire to make money, not greed, people's desire to want money okay. to be able to disciple them. So so we use and, 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 and satisfy that need. Hey, we can teach you how to invest your money, save your money, stay away from debt, create wealth, understand compound interest. But let us just tell you about what God says. Or let us just tell you these principles. And then they found out afterwards is what God says. So all of these are sort of intermeshed where we where we're coming in with a like a Trojan horse that gets wheeled okay. into a community. And because the exterior is culturally acceptable, jobs, business, and finance, people are prepared to listen. But the belly of it that, that, that brings transformation is the truth of the gospel, which is embedded in the program as we go. And then we, we get to a place on about day 12. Um, of the program where we actually just present the gospel, but it's it's just literally picking the harvest. It's just a testimony. Hey, you've heard a lot of truth. Who wants that? Yes, we want it. Let's pray. And then we start the discipleship process um, with local churches going on from there. So, Anna, how long is the the, the this process? Uh, do you have different programs, different lengths of time, or is there sort of a a one size fits all. So the process from an unemployed student coming in is it's 13 days where they actually come to a center. And that's Only where a lot 13 of 13 days. 13 days. I don't okay. know what happens, Bob. I can't tell you. People say, how is it so short? I don't know. It just happens. God just does something in 13 days, <laughs> which is, which that's is amazing. A wonderful thing to see. But then we work with them for at least another two weeks um, where we where they go through a lot of material and we work with them remotely. And then we've got discipleship groups, um, which we call the working church, around each center, where those that have given their lives to the Lord, those who have sort of taken the next step to start a relationship with God, are invited to come to these discipleship groups called the working church, uh, where they can continue into perpetuity to be developed, discipled, and really build relationship with 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 their father. And uh, tell us, tell us a story or two, you know, that illustrates 
um, you know, the consequences of of a young person, let's say from the ghetto Soweto, you know, you know, yeah. come it doesn't have to be from Soweto, but just yeah. help us, you know, with a with a real story. Yeah. Of, so so just um Two quick stories. Um, one is, you know, when we when we started seeing all these people giving their lives to the Lord, we were delighted and we were patting ourselves on the back. And one day, to my shock and horror, I felt the Lord say, you know what, I never told you to get people saved. I told you to get people discipled. And what are you doing about that? <laughs> and it was like, wow, okay, I know nothing about discipleship. How do we even start? And we started going to churches. They didn't know, you know, really too much about discipleship um they were like okay but we've got a program and we saw that's not going to work and um one of the things I, I remember actually coming to speak to you about it and saying bob we're struggling i don't know how to disciple all of these students and you introduced us to the principle of discipline of love so okay. one of the things sorry yeah hang on just a second uh this is halftime i need to let people who are listening to know that they're listening to the kingdom and its stories we're delighted to have you with you and uh, with us. And our guest today is Anna Richards, who's from South Africa, recently moved uh, to the United States, where they hope to introduce this program on a much larger scale. And so, Anna, continue with your, with your story. Yeah, thank you. So, so we, we really went to the Word and, and tried to ask the Lord. Perhaps that was a good place to start as well and say, okay, Lord, what, what, is, this, what is the story with this? What is it even? And we felt the Lord show us about, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. And um, we realized after speaking to you, we've got something here. We then started introducing the concept of loving your neighbor as a means to disciple students. So on day two, we'd, we'd introduce the concept of, hey, in, in the beginning, it was just do something. You know, we've got something in South Africa called Ubuntu, which means um we are one in community. We, 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 we help each other. So we introduced right. it from that perspective. Go and do something for your community. You're sitting here, give back. And by the end of the program, we actually, it starts off where they, they do little things, but it becomes more and more sophisticated as God starts working in their hearts. And mm. by the end of the program, we, we tell them that. And how long is the end of the program? So that's 13, 13 days and then the extra two weeks. Okay, all right. And um, we find at the end of the day, we say, okay, let us tell you what's been happening here. What are the two most important commandments? Okay, love God, love your neighbor. Some of them will say if they know. And then we'll say, okay, but God also says, if you love me, you will obey me. So by loving your neighbor, you have been delighting God. Because, because he right. said, love me, love your neighbor. This, like the second most important thing, love your neighbor. You've been delighting God and you just see the tears. Can it be that I, as a poor person living in Kibera slum in, in Nairobi or in Soweto in Joburg, have been able to delight God by just loving the people around me? And to see wow. that, Bob, the light, for the first time, they see a redemptive, loving father. And, you know, we had a guy who was, um, he, I, I can't remember if it was cerebral palsy, but he was physically handicapped. Yes. And he, he, he came to the program, started helping his community, started helping his mom, helping his neighbor. I mean, he could hardly walk. This guy completely <laughs> almost paralyzed on his one side. And because of this principle, um, started a nonprofit where he works with handicapped people in his community 
and gives them opportunities and sends some of them to the Work for a Living Center. I mean, we've wow. seen nonprofits start. We've seen people go in and, and transform and paint crushes. And, and um, you know, that type of heart combined with that person getting a job. So employers come to us and they are, hey, we, we want what you, these people, and they get staff at no cost from our centers. So we've always got employers at our door saying, hey, who have you got? Send them to us. Wow. And wow. a change in heart, a change in mindset and employment. I mean, I mean, surely that should be what we're aiming for. People have to work. And, and, and to get people working, there's got to be a change in, in worldview. Yeah, I think that, you know, in a lot of the developing world, work is seen as a curse. Yeah. Rather than seeing the biblical perspective that work is a gift. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I was really interested in something that you said when we were talking yesterday, that the kids who are coming from a lot of these communities have been so diminished by the church in terms of their vision of who they are that it's hard for them to realize that they have pleased God. Tell us about that. Yeah, and that, that's been a, a big shock. I think as we started approaching churches, because many churches host, so, so we partner with churches around the world who say, hey, we want to reach community. We've tried it. We've tried to upskill people. We've tried to throw money at it. It's not working. We need to swim upstream and solve the problem. And the more we started working with churches, the more we realized, yeah, it's a major, major problem. I mean, all of our students, almost, no, not all of them, so many of our students, specifically in South Africa, are all in church. 99% of them have never read the Bible for themselves ever. Okay. So most of them are from church. Many of them have, many of them go to church, but that's it. In the church, we've got the, the, and if you see in the context of Africa, we've got the pastor who is the be all and the end all, um, who is the, the holy man. He's the one that can pray. He's the one that can do anything. And, and, and you, your whole faith is just about going to church, going to church, making sure that you tithe. And obviously not all the churches. I mean, they're wonderful churches that we work with and wonderful churches in Africa. But generally speaking, the norm that we've seen across Africa, there's a deep, deep problem. The, the students get hammered in terms of you're not good enough. You have, I mean, they, the pastors preach the poverty mindset. You know, it's not your fault that you, and, and it's not anyone's fault that they're unemployed, but constantly preaching blame, constantly, hey, you know what, you're a victim. Hey, it's, 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 it's not your, it's not, it's somebody's fault that you're sitting here. So okay. the problem with that is a person is always going to wait for somebody to fix their situation before they go out and start taking ownership of their life. And, and we see the word is not preached. I mean, it's, it's, frightening it's a, it probably in the last three years that's been my biggest shock is seeing the state of the church specifically in Africa there's a desperate need to getting back to the word getting back to small group loving community and it's one of the reasons why we've started these working church groups where all the tithes and offerings are used to impact community. There's no leader. We use discovery Bible studies. But what a blessing and a pleasure 
when these young people start doing church, they start loving their community. Whatever they give is used for the orphans and the widows in the community. They, they, they're loving it. They're reading the word for the first time themselves. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. So, of course, there's hope. Um, things are bad, but there's always hope. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, you know, I'm, I'm wondering what pastors listening right now would think. 100% of the tithes and offering don't go to you. Yeah. Or they don't go to support the institution. They go to serve the community. And and, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the, the, the pastors being supported, right? But because of the because of what we see in Africa, we've got to react completely okay. differently to redeem um, to redeem people's view of what our faith is about and a loving father as opposed to a leader who is the center of everything. Anna, you just moved to the States. Yes. Um, why? You know, what's your vision for the future? So we firstly realized that we've got really good teams in South Africa and Africa, and we need to get out of the way. So I think that's part of it, where they're actually doing a relatively good job. Um, we've got about 40 or 50 centers there that we run and a lot of small groups going and a lot of community work being done. But we felt we saw a lot of people from the West coming to South Africa where we run mission activation. We run a mission activation school in South Africa where we equip people with our programs um, from different missionary organizations to go to countries to be able to to effect change and get people working and discipled. And we just realized, but it doesn't make sense. We based there, everybody's coming from America to South Africa. Why not just come to probably a nation that's got the biggest sending um, culture and, and try and set up a missionary activation school where what we feel the Lord has shared with us over the last 15, 16 years about ancestral worship, about working, about mindsets, entitlement in poor communities, what we've learned, we want to be able to share. So the idea is to set up our, uh, our head office here. We started a 501c3 about four or five years ago. But to really establish this as our head office and to set up these missionary activation schools or to work with local churches um, and missionary organizations who want to reach the world and, and just to share what we, what we know. We started working in Central and South America as well, and that's really going incredibly well. So um, it's really just to build capacity, like you said earlier. Okay, Anna, all I can say is wow. Um, but but we only have just a few minutes left. In one and a half minutes, who is Anna Richards? What is it that grabbed her with this idea, this vision, and, um, and has led you to do what you're doing right now? Quickly. Uh, uh, thanks, Bob. So I am a wife to, to Walter. Um, husband who's here with me and mom to three children, uh, Luther, Heath and Annie, my two, two, my oldest and my youngest are still in South Africa. Our second boy is here with us. Um, as far as the why, um, I can just say the Lord broke my heart for the poor. I read Isaiah 58 one day and it just, it just broke my heart in terms of what needs to be done, what can be done, the hope of the gospel that we are not seeing it, we're not seeing it manifested, that we've got to get people working. It's not about getting people into church. 
It's not about people just being Christian. We've got the poor. We, as a church, we either believe the poor always be with us or we believe there should be no poor amongst us. Both biblical. I choose to believe the latter. Okay. <laughs> all right. So what kind of preparation did you have to do all of this? Absolutely nothing. We knew nothing. <laughs> still no, very little, still learning. I think I'd been in business and that made a big difference. The fact that okay. we were in business and saw things from the other side. Um, and, and, and what a blessing that the Lord prepared us in South Africa, probably one of the hardest countries to work in the poor, with the poor because of our past, because of um, the, the racial divide and because of the disillusionment of the people. Um, if, we can, if we can get people in South Africa to work, um, it's going to work anywhere. Well, Emma, thank you. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate so it so much. For being with us. Now, I just want to say to those that are listening, I want you to remember that Anna said she didn't have any preparation except what God did in breaking her heart for the poor. So don't think that you have to have a lot of resources to do something significant to be Jesus' hands and feet. And so may each of us who are listening to Anna today ask Jesus, Lord, what can we do to be your hands and feet today? Amen. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.